agnostics, long-haired weirdos, short-haired weirdos, vandals, hooligans. The government hugs the government love. The government hugs the government love. The government Welcome to the Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, a professor of political science at Northern Kentucky University. I'm joined today by my conservative counterpart, Cleveland area attorney and defender of freedom, Jay Carson. Hey, good. Well, good afternoon, Mike. Yeah, we're doing this on Friday afternoon, a, a little bit unusual. And as I was saying to Jay uh, just before we started recording is the one problem with that, of course, is they keep on making news even on Fridays. But uh, and that will get into this late breaking story for us uh, on the Supreme Court's decision on the Texas abortion case. But before we do get to that, I should Mention. You, forgot, you forgot to ask me how I'm doing, Mike. I didn't. My gosh, you know, it's been a crazy day. I didn't even, it's like I didn't even care enough to ask you how you're doing. Of course yeah. I do. How you doing, Jay? Mike, I'm like the Fox News Christmas tree. I'm on fire. <laughs> that was a very good one. Yeah, I, I, I like that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, but before we do get started with, with everything and everything, what is that? Well, we're going to be talking about uh, the passing of Bob Dole, the, that Texas abortion decision I mentioned, the debt ceiling day, deal that both Jay and I called. So we will be you know, patting ourselves on the back for that, certainly. The Biden-Putin talks, uh, the diplomatic boycott of the Winter Olympics, that Department of Justice lawsuit against Texas, uh, the recent vote in the Senate to overturn the COVID vaccine mandate that President Biden uh, put into place and that's still uh, hung up in the courts, Mark Meadows suing the January 6th committee and our thoughts on, well, 2022 and beyond kind of best and worst case scenarios as we see it. That's there's an awful lot. And before we get to that, though, we are just going to take a quick break and we will get started. So we open today just with, a, I guess, a tribute and appreciation for former longtime Kansas senator, Senate minority leader and majority leader and 1996 Republican presidential nominee Bob Dole, who passed away this week at the age of 98. Dole was first elected to Congress in 1960. He moved up to the Senate in 68, where he served until 1996, at which point he left the Senate for his presidential run against Bill Clinton for the presidency. Dole was the Republican leader of the Senate for the final 11 years of his tenure. And he survived by his pretty remarkable spouse, Elizabeth Dole, who was Secretary of Transportation in the Reagan administration, Secretary of Labor in the George H.W. Bush administration, and a senator herself from North Carolina from 2003 to 2009. And just like her husband, she also ran for the Republican presidential nomination. This was in 2000. So, Jay, uh, I know we could probably go on for a while about Bob Dole, but I just thought certainly whenever an important political figure passes, we like to mention that. And uh, what are your Bob Dole thoughts? So, uh, you know, this is, again, maybe folks uh, who are not of our age uh, wouldn't understand it, but for for most of of our political coming of age, right, uh, other than Ronald Reagan, Bob Dole sort of was the Republican Party. Um, you know, he he was this this ever present figure uh, throughout the eighties and nineties, um, and before that, I guess we just weren't you know <laughs> aware of it. Uh, I mean, if you if you look back, his his contributions. I mean, uh, Bob Dole was was chairman of the RNC. Uh, in the 70s, when he went to Richard Nixon and told him, you simply do not have the, the support uh, to keep going. Um, he was he was someone who was not flashy. He was not 
uh, didn't necessarily need to be the center of attention, uh, all of which I think was a little bit to his detriment, right, uh, when he ran for president um, uh, and, uh, and on, on numerous occasions. Uh, the other thing I think that, that held him back from becoming president was also he was, as a Senate minority leader and a, and a majority leader, he was a deal maker. And uh, it's it's tough to run uh, when you've got decades and decades of, of deals because there's going to be something someone says, well, you, you sold everybody out. You didn't, you know, um, you, you got rolled and so forth. Um, but in, in making a lot of the compromises that he did, uh, he was able to achieve uh, very much for what the Republican vision was. Um, most notably, the the Reagan uh, Revolution, Reagan tax cuts, um, uh, and uh, later, uh, I would say the during the even during the Clinton administration, uh, the changes of, of uh, uh, you know getting changing changing welfare as as we knew it, uh, and balancing the budget. Uh, so I think he was a a, a great statesman, a great force, um, a very funny guy. Um, uh, and did not take himself too seriously. And, and beyond that, also, I mean, I, I didn't even mention, I mean, the, the uh, you know, World War II veteran uh, seriously injured in, in Italy. Um, I had the privilege of meeting Bob Dole, um, uh, and, and I've got a picture that, that well, if I can find it, we'll post, uh, uh, back in the 90s. And I also have a, a if, if we have time, Mike, I have a funny sort of Bob Dole adjacent type story um, that, that is just kind of fun to share. It's It's sort of, how how our lives intersected very briefly, um, uh, although not directly. But those, so that's that's you know generally my thoughts. I, I guess the other the other thing is, listen, he was uh, he died at the age of ninety eight, and he was the last member of that generation who had fought in World War II, uh, and I think that that makes a difference um, in, in just terms of how they viewed the country, how they viewed the people they worked with. Uh, I, I think that was a defining experience that later generations didn't have, uh, right? I mean, there was, uh, there was a sense, I think, uh, among that. And this is, this is something I've been told from other people who are of that veteran great generation who served in the legislature, that uh, when, when all those members uh, who had served retired, that there was something that was lost, uh, it, just in terms of, of how they viewed uh, the idea of service, uh, the idea of country, uh, and so forth. So. Yeah, I, that was my 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 two cents and and uh, sort of insignificant, uh, uh, really, to pay tribute to to uh, uh, the man he was. Yeah, I I would say that he was certainly not much of an ideologue. Uh, and uh, the other way to look at that is he didn't have very strong convictions. Uh, but I'd say he was a moderate established Republican. But I, he was, I think, you know, generally just a party man, uh, an organization guy, kind of like Mitch McConnell, really, who, you know, served with Dole in the Senate for uh, more than a decade at the beginning of McConnell's Senate career. And in a way, it seems to me he's almost sort of a Republican Joe Biden in some ways. I mean, he wanted to be president for a long time. He, he kind of patiently, patiently, not to speak ill of the dead, but go ahead. Yeah, he kind of patiently bided his time. Uh, I think he had a good sense of where the center of gravity was in the Republican Party, and he sort of oriented himself to that. There was a, a famous moment, and uh, he was speaking in the mid-90s to the Republican National Convention, and he said, uh, uh, I'm willing to be another Ronald Reagan if that's what you want. 
because Bob Dole was, <laughs> was about uh, greasing the wheels and getting the job done. And, and some people would say that it's not a good thing to have people uh, in Congress that don't have strong convictions. And uh, I don't think that's true. I think it's important to have a number of people in Congress with strong convictions because you need them, but you also need the deal makers. And uh, we certainly see a lot fewer of those deal makers and people willing to compromise than we used to in the past. And that's that's really that's really too bad. So there we go. And I will say Bob Dole is one of the Republicans who I actually did vote for for president back when I was still voting for Republicans for president. So. All right. So Bob Dole, rest in peace. He certainly gave uh, great service to his country, I think. Fair to say. So moving on from that, shortly before we began recording this week's episode, very shortly, I mean like an hour or so before Jay sent me a text saying, hey, have you heard about this decision? I said, yeah, I'm just going to email you. Uh, the Supreme Court issued a ruling on Texas's, Texas's uh, State Bill 8, and that's, of course, the law that prohibits abortions after six weeks. But you'll recall in a twist that was designed to sidestep the jurisdiction of federal courts, the law is enforced not through state actors, but through what's essentially a citizen bounty system where any citizen of Texas or any other state, whether they have any sort of personal involvement in the abortion or are affected in any way, have any sort of standing in any conventional sense, they can bring suit against abortion providers or those who otherwise assist in abortions after that six, week li- six weeks limit with a guaranteed minimum of payout, I guess, of $10,000. And that can be collected. Abortion, abortion, Batman. Yeah, that can be collected. It can be collected by this for the same abortion uh, against the same providers by as many people who want to bring suit. Now, in the ruling, in an eight to one part of the ruling, the court said that abortion providers can can sue state officials who license abortion facilities because, as Justice Gorsuch put it in his majority opinion. Each of these individuals is an executive licensing official who may or must take enforcement actions against the petitioners if they violate the terms of Texas's health and safety code, including SBA. But the court disallowed suits against court clerks and other officials, including the attorney general of the state of Texas. Now, the split here was far closer, five to four, with Chief Justice Roberts joining the court's three liberals in opposition. And in his partial dissent, Roberts wrote, The clear purpose and actual effect of SB 8 has been to nullify this court's rulings. It is, however, a basic principle that the Constitution is the fundamental and paramount law of the nation, and it is emphatically the province and duty of the judicial department to say what the law is, uh, citing Marbury versus Madison. Then he went uh, back to 1809, United States versus Peters, and said that if the legislatures of the several states may at will annul the judgments of the courts of the United States, States and destroy the rights acquired under those judgments, the Constitution itself becomes a solemn mockery. He closed his partial dissent with this. The nature of the federal right infringed on does not matter. It is the role of the Supreme Court in our constitutional system that is at stake. That's pretty strong stuff. Now that, and again, that's from, uh, that's from a uh, you know, a conservative justice on the court, really the court swing vote and the chief justice of the court. So I thought that before we got to the full out dissenters, and we'll talk about Justice Sotomayor's uh, dissent in a, in a minute, I wanted to get your take on uh, Chief Justice Roberts's uh, partial dissent and, and in general, the, the majority's uh, reasoning on this, Jay. 
Don't, and again, I know, should point I would, out, we, we've only had a very limited amount of time to look through the, uh, to look through the opinions right. at this point. So, right. um, you know, I, I would say that in some ways I, I still come back to, to the uh, focus that I've talked about when every time we talk about this Texas case is that we're still mostly talking about procedural stuff. Um, it's not rulings on the merits and, and what he was addressing there had to do with, um, 11th amendment immunity, uh, of state officials, which is, is something that's, that's sort of, sort of a standard type, um, uh, situation, right? That, that, uh, you can't sue, uh, the state for, for doing essentially their government business. Now there are exceptions. So, for example, if the state is acting in an unconstitutional way, a state officer is acting in an unconstitutional way, of course you can, can sue them. Uh, but the, the 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 weird balance of, of this legislation was that these state actors, in this case, uh, there, was a, there was a state judge uh, who was being sued and state clerks uh, of court, essentially, um, uh, being sued to pro- prohibit them from taking these cases. Um, I, I I think that the majority actually got it right on 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 that count. That say, look, this is this is the state trying to nullify uh, uh, a a uh, federal right. But do you have the right parties uh, that you're trying to enjoin? And in, in uh, Gorsuch's opinion, which was sort of the uh, again the the determinative opinion it it was weird it's sort of like eight one five four six three um depending on what issue you're talking about uh may, he made the point that the courts um you know it, it's outside to the the court's power to you know issue an injunction against the world essentially um and i i don't have it pulled up in front of me because it was one of those really pithy quotes um uh but uh, that's that's the nature of it right that um, you can't, of course, courts have to enjoin someone who can actually do something. And in this case, they said, well, the state, uh, medical folks who take care of the license, they actually could be enjoined. So there, there is standing. Um, and let's so, be clear look, on, on this on the, issue on the, on the merits of, of, can the, uh, can, uh, can states simply overrule federal, uh, court decisions? I, I mean, he's right. Uh, I think it's, but I, I, I'm still not sure that, you know, you have to have the right defendants to, that you're suing in order to to be clear to make here that work. to be clear here that what this means then is that these uh, bounty hunter lawsuits can go on because the because the the action of these licensing boards this happens after that in other words if you can you, they could they could act could or have to act to not uh, not grant or renew licenses for these for these medical medical facilities if they violate the law. So that has no actual effect on this program, this this scheme that Texas has designed to to essentially evade. No, no, no. I I disagree. I disagree. Okay. And again, this is based on. Uh, a, a, you know, quick, quick reading on it. But if the abortion clinic has standing to sue, um, it, it essentially has standing to challenge the law. Right. They have, sure. They have, sta- they have standing to challenge the, well, they have standing to challenge, but as Justice Sotomayor pointed out, then, well, that basically it means that uh, uh, it's, it's a blueprint, essentially. They, she, she says, 
Uh, Let me find the quote here. By foreclosing suit against state court officials and the state attorney general, the court effectively invites other states to refine SB8's model for nullifying federal rights. The court thus betrays not only the citizens of Texas, but also our constitutional system of government. And so, yeah, you're, you're. you're, you're technically right there. But what that basically means is it's going to be very easy for Texas to go back and say that that these institutions cannot deny or have no uh, this this SB8 has no role in uh, granting or denying accreditation or what have you. And boom, problem solved, essentially, from Texas's perspective. Yeah, but that's that's a that's a tough political um, no, it's not. Climate. No, it's not in Texas yeah, because it's this the transparent. It was done for a very transparent oh reason. Gosh, Justice Roberts saw well, no, through I, it. I think it's. I think it's a tough. No, it's not tough, tough at all. It's going to happen. The, um, <laughs> to say that we will not uh, again, and I'm not. I'm not sure that I think that may may bring another. Uh, might bring another lawsuit. And the majority is going to be okay with it because they basically, as Justice Roberts pointed out, they, they Chief Justice Roberts, sorry about that, they based, the, the majority basically okayed uh, a, a fancy state nullification scheme. And, and I, you know, and, and I get I get your argument, Jay, and, and the argument on the court. Well, I'm, well, I'm, not, I'm not arguing. I'm just telling you what, uh, okay. what courts are saying. Well, I, 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 I get the argument, the argument, I'll, I'll put it yeah. that way, that, you know, well, it's pretty. It's a pretty weird thing to enjoin state officials like clerks and judges from even hearing cases. We don't. We don't really do that, right? And or the attorney general, right? Who, and who really, and and the point. The point that they made is: look, the, the attorney general has no role in enforcing this. Yeah, and and of and, course and that to, was yeah. <laughs> that was by design as a scheme yeah. to nullify a to, to nullify a constitutional right in effect, and, and so yeah. there's a part of Sotomayor's dissent that I think, uh, well, uh, I read this part and I thought of you, Jay, because she talks about limiting principles, and I know how near and dear I do like. There you like those. Yeah. There you go. So Meyer writes, in the midst of its hand wringing over remedy, the court also complains that the petitioners offer no meaningful limiting principles for their theory. Uh, and she says, well, this is incorrect. The petitioners explain, whereas here a state law deliberately seeks to evade federal judicial review by outsourcing enforcement of the law to private individuals without any personal stake, while forbidding state executive officials from direct enforcement, and two, creates special rules for state court adjudication to maximize harassment and make timely and effective protection of constitutional rights impossible, federal relief against clerks is warranted. And I think that's a reasonable exception. So I, I'm, I think she's, wow, there's a whole lot in there, right, that, that isn't in the statute, that isn't in any other case law, that just sort of is, is saying, look, this is, here's something we, we don't like, and you don't, yeah, people typically don't have standing, and you these people aren't uh, typically uh, defendants, uh, unless, yeah, as I, as I pointed out, Look, you've, if you're going to sue to enjoin, you you have to sue a person to in to enjoin them from doing some action, and and I think what what I as I read Sotomayor's dissent, it's sort of like, look, I I really don't like this policy, uh, therefore we should be able to enjoin these folks somehow, right? Even though there's no, I'm not sure exactly what what action that. They would they would take right. What would the attorney general do? There's there's nothing for for the attorney general to do. Um, but uh, regardless, I, I think it, it, it this thing can move forward now. Um, but just just to because, be clear, I mean, I, I, on that on that issue, I, I want to kind of at least 
close my part of this with, uh, again, from Sotomayor. She says, you know, this isn't just a quibble over how many defendants petitioners can sue. It's whether states, and this is this is the issue, whether states, not just in, in this issue, but in any issue you want to dream up, may nullify federal constitutional rights by employing schemes like the one at hand. And she writes, the court indicates that they can, so long as they write their laws to more thoroughly disclaim old enforcement by state officials, including licensing officials. And that's what this decision says. I mean, I, I, I feel fairly confident that what, this, what the majority says here is, as long as you don't involve any state officials, so Texas could just tweak its law, and under the, under the majority's logic here, as Justice, Chief Justice Roberts and the court's three liberals point out, then basically it's anything goes. You can, you can abridge any constitutional right. Nothing is safe, and the only, the only barrier against that is if the state wants to, if the state legislature feels like abridging that constitutional right, hey, go right ahead. Second Amendment rights, First Amendment rights, doesn't matter so long as there's no state enforcement. No, it's, where's it's the limiting still, principle still, there, Jay? It still matters. Well, no, it still matters. And I think you're also, let's not confuse federal jurisdiction with uh, state enforcement. Um, you know, this is, this is a question of, of, is there a federal, uh, and there, there are state suits, and I, I've, I've said uh, numerous times before, I think that's, that's the place where this thing ought to get, get settled. Um, but I, 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 don't, I don't read this as saying, um, Therefore, uh, you know, there if if there are if there are no state uh, actors to sue. I mean, I, I think you're, it's sort of the, the question right now is can you sue state actors for for something like this? And uh, the majority said yes, you can sue some state actors uh, because they have uh, essentially power enforcement power uh, over these abortion clinics. Um, but you cannot sue other state actors who who don't really have any role to play in this. Yeah, I get that. But what I'm saying is the larger point is you could change this around and say that in maybe not a Texas law, but a Massachusetts or a New York law saying uh, swapping out abortion clinic for a gun store and yeah. you have the exact same situation. And yeah. that but, is that but, is indirect. That was being direct violation of the constitutional right to bear arms, which is the individual right to bear arms, which the Supreme Court has recognized. And so that's my point, is that under this logic, as Sotomayor points out, that 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 the, that the states can basically use this scheme to abridge whatever right they want, because there's if the state wants the only limiting principle is if the residents of that state are OK with the legislature abridging constitutional rights. And that is just insane. No, I think I think you're you're missing the the bigger point. This this comes down to can you get emergency preemptive relief, right? That's that's the question because you of course you can always sue uh, under declaratory judgment to de declare a, uh, a state law unconstitutional. Um, uh, any any time if any of these suits are actually brought, um, a a provider can say this is no good. It's unconstitutional. Get out of here. Uh, you know, as a, as a defense against whoever is suing them, or as a counterclaim uh, for declaratory judgment against whoever is suing them, and they they bring in the state and at that point and say, look, it's unconstitutional. Right, right. But, I but see what you're the saying. Issue sure. is, can you get that that yeah. early injunction to prevent the law from taking effect? And that's and, 
that's and, the big, yeah, that's no, that, the big yeah, game here. That that's that's a really good point, and I did I, I did neglect I didn't neglect to point that out. It's a very important point. Um, uh, but I guess my my larger point is, and this this comes through. We talked about when we talked about this earlier, the the chilling effect when you have when you have a point where I mean clinics are just saying, you know, I don't want to have to deal with the possibility of as this thing is being adjudicated, who knows how it's going to go? And oh by the way, I could get sued a gazillion times by all these people, and there's a provision in this law saying that you know. Uh, 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 all these provisions to make it just as difficult as possible for abortion providers to do business in the state. The goal is for them to just say, well, it's just not worth our trouble. And it could be the same thing for gun stores in Massachusetts or something like that. And so the the fact that you're absolutely right. And, and, Thank you for pointing that out. I, I was wrong on that point. But there's a significant chilling effect here, as there would be on, say, gun rights or speech or anything else if a legislature chose to uh, pass a law like that with this with this unique enforcement mechanism. And so what the what the dissenters are saying here is this this enforcement mechanism is so far outside the bounds and so clearly and patently designed as a way to have a chilling effect, if not an outright ban on constitutionally protected rights that it cannot stand. And and you're saying, well, no, I'm, I'm saying um, the court's kind of going out of its way to to reach a a question that I don't think it needs to reach um if you follow me this this is as i said it's we're talking about can you get that pre-enforcement um declaration to to knock it out completely and 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 i think if if you can if you could show uh a chilling effect and and look i think the the one clinic has that potential claim right and and uh, eight members of the Supreme Court said, "Yeah, this can go forward." Um, so I, 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 I guess I'm, I'm just, I'm at a loss here. When you know, I thought mm. you'd, I thought, I thought you'd be happy, Mike. Uh, <laughs> this this no. is sort of to me, it looks to, would look to be a win uh, for uh, abortion rights, uh, abortion providers. I think it's a blueprint for temporary nullification, and I'm not a fan of that. I, I am, I'm every bit as outraged as Chief Justice Roberts is. About this, well, about this horrifically bad. Outraged. Uh, uh, you don't, you don't he think so? Seem the kind of guy who gets outraged. So outraged. you, you don't think? In, uh, he, a, and, and again, it's a partial dissent. Yeah, uh, but you don't, you uh, don't but, think in in using a quote where he talks about the Constitution itself becomes a solemn mockery. You don't think that he, what he just didn't read that part of it, or you know, saying no, that, I'm just, I'm, saying, I'm, saying I'm that. Saying, let, listen, Jay, saying that it is the role it's a strong, of the Supreme a, a Court. Opinion, certainly, but yeah. it's not. I, well, regardless. Yeah. Uh, my my point is that I I think if if you want to get to that question at some point of uh, can the uh, can a legislature do something to uh, inappropriately um, evade a, a court decision or constitutional provision, um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a good question. And no, states can't nullify, um, but courts courts can't sit as a uh, you know, aren't supposed to sit as a super legislature. Well, I right? guess There's I guess what I'm saying cases is cases and controversy. And this is this is sort of uh, a court saying we don't like your law. Um, therefore, you can sue the attorney general. The attorney general, what I do, um, I, I, what, I don't what, think what do you want, that. What do you want me to do about this? It's right? not we don't like your law. It's that your law is exploiting a loophole in the in the constitutional order and we won't allow that. 
Well, I, again, loophole is is a little bit of a loaded term, right? I mean, sure it is. One person's one person's loophole is another civil rights. Well, let me let me right? let me put I mean, it this I mean, way: there are, there are there are plenty of people who are, uh, uh, you know, did the crime, but they're they're let loose. Let, um, let, let me uh, because put it they this weren't way, properly Mirandized. I mean, is that a loophole, or is that their their civil rights? I mean, it's what, right, what I'll, I'm saying is the the core of our the core of our our legal system is that you've got to have. Uh, somebody who can provide the remedy you're 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 looking for, and the and court I, I, the court can provide that remedy. I mean, they can. I mean, through, through a declar yeah, through a through a declaratory judgment action, I think. Um, but I don't think there is a an injunction, right? I don't think there's a pre enjoin someone from from doing what, from hearing cases uh, regarding this law. Well, there you get into that's. I mean, that and it runs up against the. Um, 11th Amendment. So, I mean, it, it's it's more than just a, you know, this is abortion or, or not abortion. There's Yeah, I, I think that, what this comes down to, that, I, I think what this comes down to, at least for me, I, it's a different question for you. I, it's, it's clear to me that this was a, you know, a ruse designed by Texas to evade, uh, to, to evade federal authority. Uh, in absolutely. An, and, and, uh, and the majority of the court said, yeah, it, Good job. It worked. Congratulations. And well, I mean, I guess let, let me ask you this. Has it have, has any have any of these suits been filed? You mean by. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not being rhetorical. I'm, no, I'm I don't know either. No, I don't know either. dollars bounty suits. Yeah, I, I don't know either. Because but of as course, soon as one is, then there's an actual uh, uh, case and controversy. Uh, and as I understand it, I think they're, that those are probably the state cases they're talking about. Again, we're all. We're looking at this uh, having just, um, you know, it just was released a couple hours ago. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that's, I think that's the way this this gets worked out, and it's not a matter of there not being a remedy. It's a matter of whether that remedy is immediate pre-enforcement, uh, or whether someone has to actually take steps to try to enforce the law. Uh, I mean, I think that's that's a really different different question because I, the the court seems to be of the. Um, pulling no punches, even the the you know the majority saying that this would this would violate Roe versus Wade and Casey. Um, Gorsuch says that I think in like the first you know, but our hands are tied. Sentence of his of his of his opinion. Yeah, but our hands are tied, basically. Or I would say, but we are choosing to tie our hands. I mean, because that, that's certainly not how it's certainly not how the four dissenters looked at it, right? So all right, if there let, let's let me let me put it this way. Because I, I think we're talking past each other, and maybe you're not understanding my point. <laughs> if there is a, a a law on the books that is offensive to the Constitution, and no one seeks to enforce it, and, and that's that is sort of the issue. Does does a court can a court weigh in, uh, or would it be providing essentially an advisory opinion? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, until sure. there's an actual case or controversy, and the the argument on and, the and other the court, side, the court said there is an actual case or controversy here with with the the state medical board, yeah. and, and that can go forward. Um, otherwise, okay, if someone actually sues, because there was another a private defendant who was sort of a, an abortion Batman, um, uh, or or an abortion Boba Fett, if you will. Uh, <laughs> That's better. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, uh, bounty hunter, um, who. Uh, who, who I guess was was thinking about suing or talking about suing or somebody thought he might sue, uh, and he was named as a defendant. And and this the, the court was unanimous, even the dissenters saying, 
look, there's really no claim against this guy because he hasn't sued anybody. He sure. hasn't brought any action. He hasn't done anything. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, it's to me, it's sort of the same thing that as soon as if somebody does something, then OK, we, we've got a, a live case or controversy. No, we're not. Pa- we're not talking past each other. We're sitting as a super legislature. No, I, I get what you're saying and I just disagree. I think you're wrong. So it's no it's not a matter of you need to be clear in explaining <laughs> your position. I, I, fully, I fully understand your position and I reject it entirely is what I'm, what I'm saying. Basically, I, I, I get I get that. But uh, but yeah, so so I think oh, who knows what's going to happen uh, in the end. Certainly. Uh, I, I expect, well, I wouldn't be surprised if it becomes at least, I wouldn't say moot exactly, uh, depending on the outcome of the Mississippi abortion case, which we talked about of the last week, I guess. And uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But well, the, 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 no, the interesting piece out of this whole thing, again, this is the, the hot take, uh, is where Roberts shows up, right, in the mix. Yeah. And, and I and think is that, yeah, is, that, yeah. is that a tell as to where he is on Mississippi case. No, I, I don't. I don't think so. I don't. Well, I mean, maybe, but I don't think it matters. I guess. I, I think I predicted last week, whenever it was, we talked about it that Roberts will be part of the. He would be with the dissenters. Yeah, anyway. will be with the dissenters. I expect it to be a five-four decision, but we shall. Right. But, but we shall I mean, see on wouldn't, that. wouldn't you? Wouldn't you view this as pointing in that direction? Um, as affirming your your. Well, I know I don't because I don't really see this as an uh, as at least from Roberts's standpoint. I don't think that Roberts sees this as an abortion because it's not this. I mean, I think it's easy for people to forget. You're saying he sees it as a nullification case. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's why he cited the specific cases he did. And I know I know everyone on both sides or not everyone, but a lot of people on both sides are looking at this as an abortion case. I know that you and I are not. I mean, we are in, in a sense, but we're looking at it more as, uh, oh, is this, is this in effect nullification? And if so, is there anything the courts can do about it? And if so, what is that? And that's a much more kind of technical thing, but in a way, it's a bigger and broader question as well. And, and it concerns me that this, this question gets lost in, in the mix because it is about an abortion, about, you know, the issue of abortion, which is such a hot button issue. And so everyone just kind of, you know, takes their sides and, and there are these larger issues at, at stake. And, and certainly you and I disagree on, you know, what the court can do, uh, the extent of its bill and w- or what it should do. But I, I yeah. think that this is a debate that's not being had as much in the general media as it should be. But then again, you know, I don't know if a lot of people would really right. tune well, in for that. I've, I've been saying for months that, you know, to a large extent, the whole Texas case is sort of a, it's sort of an interesting distraction sideshow, right? And I, I think it's I think it's intellectually interesting uh, just because it presents those these these kind of funny questions of standing and um, uh, who can be sued, you know, who can sue and who can be sued. And, and uh, you know, when you can get preliminary relief versus do you have to wait for, you know, for some actual harm or, or more of a case or controversy. Um, and those to me, those are interesting kind of intellectual, you know, be a fun, fun stuff to write law review article on type type thing. Um, but does it actually impact any substantive abortion rights? No, that that all comes down to uh, to Dobbs and the Mississippi case. Yeah, see, see to me, and I, I see what you're saying there, but but to me, and this is probably why I just got so worked up about this and I'm so disappointed uh, in this decision is, you know, I I've trained spent my career as an institutionalist, which basically means uh, to, to put it in a try semi succinct way is that I believe that rules and structures are, you know, they 
greatly influence policy and in a variety of areas. And there's, you know, there could be this, the filibuster, a lot of, a lot of things. And these are the things, the plumbing that kind of operates behind the scenes. And I think a lot of people don't appreciate how changes to these structures can have huge effects downstream. And I see this as potentially one of those things. And I think that's, that's where I'm on board with just, with Chief Justice Roberts and why his, why his partial dissent really uh, resonated with me so much. So I see it. I mean, this is weird because I, I see it also as an institutionalist. Uh, and, and to me, that that plumbing goes to the, um, you know, what's the what's the court there to, to handle? Well, the Constitution says cases and controversies. And there's there's a rule that that says, you know, the, the person, the, the, the proper party is the, the person who can remedy your your ill, right? Rem- remedy your your harm. Um, and I, I just don't think they've, they've got the right parties. I will accept with, again, which, which everybody except Justice Thomas agreed. Um, and I haven't read that dissent, but I'm really curious about that. You know, just, he just write, you know, abortion bad, uh, I, I dissent or I don't know what he did, but, uh, abortion bad. Yeah. Um, no, it, it's, it's more, uh, 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 kind of straight ahead, same thing that he doesn't think that the. Uh, that there's been no threatened action by by this board or any indication that they would take action. Got it. Uh, and therefore, there wouldn't be. Yeah. Again, there's no no current case or controversy. Gotcha. Okay. So so yeah, I, this is uh, yeah. It's it's unusual. People might think for a sort of institutional plumbing sort of thing to cause such heated reactions, but but there you go. I don't know. It's been a it's been a long year, and maybe that's part of it for me. But I am. Uh, it's been a while since I've been so thoroughly disappointed uh, in in a Supreme Court decision as I am in. I as thought I am you'd I one. thought you'd be cheering this. This is weird. Yeah. You know, like I die. You know. No, I, I, like I said, when Thanks I saw moving forward, and when I saw, you know, uh, it is the rules. Mike, here, here's, here's the thing: once that case does move forward, right, they're going to be able to tee up the merits. Sure. And, and I think the, you know, obviously the, you know, depending what happens in Missis- with the Mississippi case, um, Texas loses on the merits. Oh yeah, I get that. It's over. I mean, uh, presumably, depending on what happens in yeah. uh, in the Mississippi case. But, That's why I thought you'd see this as a win. Well, I mean, I see. I see. Well, it's not a. It's not a, a. I see what you're saying. Short term, yeah, maybe. But I think that this sort of scheme is something that's going to be copied by a lot of other states and a lot of other areas. And so I see it as a longer term loss for uh, for uh, our system of government and, and federalism and, and the balance of, of, you know. So, yeah, I, I see it. Sure. Short term. Yeah. But I'm looking longer term on this and I see it as a, a tragically bad decision in that sense. So there you go. All right. All right. Well, with that, we end our non uh, or we end our free ad supported segment of the show. If you would like to get the full show where we're going to be talking about, oh, my gosh, so many other things, the debt ceiling de- deal, the Biden Putin talks and whether there's going to be a Ukraine invasion. I don't know if Jay and I have inside information on it. Maybe we do. Check it out. Anyway, um, the diplomatic boycott of the Winter Olympics, uh, another lawsuit by the Department of Justice against Texas, uh, a big COVID vote in the Senate, again. a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And again, that's available to you if you become a supporter, a Patreon supporter of the show. Just go to 
patreon.com slash politicsguys or politicsguys.com slash support. And we always put those links in our show notes. And so, so yeah. And if I almost forgot the important part, if you're not in a position where you can financially support the show, but you would like all of that stuff, just send me an email, mike at politicsguys.com. And I will get you all set up with free access to the full show. I'm happy to do it.